Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are there such things as tree spirits? Is there paranormal activity under the sea or in outer space? Why are there so many different kinds of aliens? Well, hello and welcome to the 704th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on 1240 Radio, celebrating 70 years of broadcasting in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. I am Ben, and those spirited questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and father, Paul. And today we bring you an open line show on many different paranormal subjects. And uh, we welcome your calls and emails. The numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. And also 762-1240 locally here in our listening area. Okay, uh, before we begin, our usual guest co-host for these open line shows... Oh, I'm sorry, it's 766-1240. Right. Don't confuse anybody more than they already are. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, our usual guest co-host, Shane Searway, uh, couldn't make it today, so we've invited the legendary Timothy Green Beckley to help us tackle the profound questions of the day. Uh, Tim, often known as Mr. UFO, has been a paranormal pioneer, author, publisher, producer, and speaker since the 1960s. One of his early radio appearances took place uh, right here on ON 1240 over 50 years ago with our old friend, the late Joe Ferrier, himself an early UFO researcher. He is the author of over 30 books that I know of, and the number keeps growing, and I've contributed a few lines to three of them. Uh, Tim is the president of Inner Light Global Communications and editor of the Conspiracy Journal in Bizarre Bizarre, spelled two different ways, of course. We're proud to have Tim back with us today, except that he's not with us. Uh, he hasn't called in yet. He lives in New Jersey and uh, couldn't be with us in the studio today. However, we will... Uh, contact him and remind him that he's supposed to be with us. He's on Tim time. Tim time, yes. Uh, I don't know, maybe they changed the time zones between uh, Rhode Island and New Jersey. I don't know. Anyway, I doubt his, it. <laughs> yeah, his website's conspiracyjournal.com and teslasecretlab.com. Uh, we will soldier on, nevertheless, uh, in, until Tim joins us. So mm -hmm. um, why don't we uh, do our first email here. Um, here is one from Simon. And Simon does not say where it is from. And Ben, you're going to love this question. I'm excited. So Simon is uh, from nowhere, and he writes to us. Firstly, uh, many thanks for producing consistently interesting shows that encompass the full spectrum of the paranormal. Listening to your show is a high point during my long commute home at the uh, end of every week. Well, thank you. I recall reading on your website that Ben is sensitive to tree spirits. Would it be possible for Ben to talk about this next time you do open lines? I'd specifically be interested in how a tree spirit is sensed and and how it communicates sincerely, yes. Uh, well, thank that's you. It's all yours, Ben. Great. Um, well, that's... I, I think... I think one of the one of the problems with with talking about really any paranormal subject is terms. And um, as, you know, someone who's who studied, you know, the, the physics of, of sound and all of that stuff, like the, the terms that are, are used between different fields of science and philosophy in pretty much, you know, ev every other specialized field, terms are incredibly important because you have to know what the other person's talking about, correct? Right. So in order to know what somebody's talking about, you have to speak a different language within the language. So, for example, if someone is reading, like, I don't know, like, um... Like uh, the run of a case or whatever for for like uh, a court case, it's it's very the run being you know the summary of the case and what was taken out of it. Reading law, like you see the words, you know they're English, but 
it's it's like an entirely different language. Or same with mathematicians. Like you know what the numbers one, two, three, four, etc. are, but when they're used in different sequences, they mean different things to different people. So you know the the idea is understanding the terms that are used between you know not only very speci- specific and specialized fields between sciences and different you know very variations of careers, but also in the paranormal it becomes incredibly important. So I think one of the problems with the modern paranormal field is everyone uses all these different terms and expects everyone to know exactly what they mean. Yes. So. Um, you know, whenever, sometimes, occasionally, when my father and I give, you know, talks, people come up to us, and they start talking to us about things that we have no idea what they're talking about, but they look at us as if we understand exactly what they're saying. Like, they'll, they'll go on and on about, I don't know, different new agey stuff, and be like, yeah, you know what I mean, right? And we're just like, uh, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> so, well, it's just, usually at that point, we're exhausted, and you don't want to get into lengthy philosophical discussions about things that they won't understand or, or at least don't know anything about yet. At that point, it's usually ten at night or something. You know. Right. Well, now with that with that groundwork being laid, allow me to answer Simon's question. I think that it's not tree spirits. I'm not talking about dryads or anything, and I'm not talking at all. Really, it's it's um, you know I don't want to say a metaphor. Well. Uh, I guess it's a metaphor. Well, really, what it what it is is you know just listening, listening and paying attention to you know what's going on around you. That's that's really that's really what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, I I don't even think dryads exist, or uh, a dry what? <laughs> that was if anybody knows. Oh, Scooby that, that's from Scooby Doo. Yes, it when is. you were a little when you were a wee lad. You were, it's yeah. a dryad. A dry what? No, that's that's you know I I. I, d- I don't I don't communicate with tree spirits. I don't commiserate with with um, you know like mythological figures. That's not it's not what I'm doing. All I'm doing is just simply listening. Now I I saw you talking to a centaur one day up on the Fairmont. What? No, I'm kidding. Please don't <laughs> don't, don't don't confuse the picture. Do not Dad. confuse it, Dad. Yes. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, but I, I think you explained that very well, Ben. Um, the whole notion of spirits, everybody assumes everything is a spirit. And this came up yesterday, and, and as a matter of fact, we're going to spend some time on that in this show, if time, if time permits. Uh, I was part of a focus group yesterday uh, at our publisher. Uh, we, I Skyped in because they were in Pennsylvania, and the, there's concern that paranormal books of the traditional kind, you know, ghost stories and uh, the psychic stuff and all, is that they're not selling the way they used to. And uh, they were curious to find out why, and they had some of their authors involved in this discussion to come up with some solutions. And I put some, I put the word out on our social media, uh, my personal site, our show site, Behind the Paranormal site, and, uh, on, on, I should say, page on Facebook, uh, my, mine and the shows, and also the, the uh, there's a place called the Post Town Elementary School in Ohio, which is not a school anymore. It's privately owned, and it's considered to be haunted. And I, I don't really know anyone out there, but they asked me to be an administrator of their page. Um, but no, uh, I, I but I said yes, and so what I did was to uh, um, simply put a post on the page and say it was me and uh, all kinds of responses came in but uh, I think one of the reasons is people are not speaking the same language um, could you respond to our 
Right. Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to get Tim Beckley here, but he we had a little cross signals on how we were going to communicate. Anyway, so, so the notion of spirit, and I pointed out that, that spirit in the classical sense, a, a non-physical being containing full mind, spirit, soul, whatever you want to call it, uh, in a disembodied form, is, is not possible under the laws of physics in our world. However, with our goofy ideas, we have the quantum physics idea of the multiverse, which means there are all possibilities out there in parallel worlds. So there sure could be worlds in which uh, life or, or form or, or whatever could take uh, that uh, spiritual sort of, a, of an existence. But it would be very rare, and it would not be uh, in a place that's generally in uh, intersection or overlap with our own world. Okay, and this is all, again, uh, sort of basic quantum physics, but uh, that that's the idea. So uh, the notion of spirit. But, uh, but I think Ben explained uh, well and answered the question uh, regardless of the one's terms, and uh, it is simply a matter of being aware. I certainly agree with that. So uh, there we are. Um, okay, I think we're... Uh, I think maybe we have our guests. So, uh, Tim has a different idea, perhaps. As I say, Tim has been involved since the 60s and has a um, uh, particularly UFO um, legend, uh, legendary, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, past in, in that field as a researcher. Uh, so we will get uh, Tim on... on uh, the show here, and we'll get his his opinions. Uh, maybe not on Ben's. That's why we started with that question, because that's pretty much a, a question that was uh, particular to Ben. So, um, we'll go to our next question here, and this one is uh, from uh, Derek in uh, Altoona, Pennsylvania. And we're going to count down. We got Tim on the air. Tim, are you with us? I'm here. Well, there you go. We uh, we we got it done sooner or later. <laughs> We started with a, with a question from a listener that really had to do with Ben, so you didn't really miss much. We gave you a glowing introduction, and we're very, very proud to have you back on the show. Uh, I, I never, I, I, the last time you were on, I think you came all the way up from New York City on the train, and we picked you up, and you, you were here in the studio. It was really great. We hope we'll do that again. Oh, I, well, I hadn't been in your studio for 50 years. Exactly. I told everybody that, yeah. Yeah, with Joe Ferrier. Okay, well, let's uh, let's take it right away here. Ben, what's our next question here? Derek from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Yes, so uh, Derek writes to us, Your chapter on humanoids and mermaid sightings in Israel got me thinking. Are there reports of paranormal phenomena uh, under the sea or from outer space? That's a good question. Uh, he's, the chapter he's referring to is in our, our new book, uh, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. So that's what that's about. But we do have a bit about some recent mermaid sightings in... Israel, and uh, I'll let uh, Ben. Why don't, why don't you start? And then, well, let's let Tim start. Tim's our guest uh, yes. co-host. So, Tim, uh, ever heard any reports from outer space or under the sea? Well, well, I mean, there, there've been uh, any number of UFO sightings, of course, from uh, under the uh, sure. The, uh, we call them UFOs, uh, unidentified uh, submerged uh, objects. I'm not up. On, I must admit, I'm not up on my mermaid lore. Now, I did write a, um, an article, oh my goodness, it must have been 30 years ago, for Fate, I think it was Fate magazine, on sea monsters, and I think we threw in a couple of mermaids and food. Now, uh, I think we've all seen some of these programs on cable TV, which purport to show mermaids. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I would give that uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 about uh, uh, less than a 1, to be uh, honest with you. 
no, I, I refer back to you as uh, uh, being the uh, expert on uh, mermaids. It's a, a cryptoid that I, I haven't really uh, had much uh, dealing with. Well, we have to point out that the uh, National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, or NOAA as the acronym goes, did refer, I think, what was thinking of that show when uh, about the mermaids in general and this sort of thing and the, the Israeli sightings as well, uh, when NOAA issued a statement saying that mermaids, effectively saying that mermaids do not exist. Well, there's a relatively new phenomenon that I, I just another, found out. Another attempt, another attempt to... Uh Dispute the evidence, no doubt. Right. Oh, yes. Well, there's a relatively new phenomenon that I, I just heard of, and I I, I think it's, you know, I, I think there's only, like, moderately new reports that in, I think it was the, the it, around the Antarctic, there were, like, large, like, underwater humanoids with, like, fins that have been, like, seen at night, like, by, by like, sailors and fishermen and, and, and stuff like that, and uh, the Japanese refer to them as ninjin. Which is hmm. which means human in in Japanese, and it was it was really interesting because there's there's a couple like like pictures and stuff that but I mean I, I don't know if there's anything to it, but well, it's it's within the last couple of months that this this sort of started like popping up. Well, one of the things uh, in that same chapter uh, in in our book is uh, Nick Redfern, uh, whom we all know and love, uh, referring to. Material in the uh, military files in the uh, National Archives of the United Kingdom, uh, with it, which involved reports from high-ranking naval officers. You know, not just your ordinary whaleboat-riding seamen here, uh, but people who were uh, educated and and of, and of relatively high rank, watching at relatively close close quarters. Very strange creatures, from mermaids all the way to, to the, the classical sea serpent sort of thing. So, and this is from the, the not largely from the 19th century, but one would think that this uh, would have some credibility at least. But as far as um, uh, in space is concerned, uh, we had uh, the late uh, Dr. Edgar Mitchell on the show, who was uh, uh, from a, I believe he was the was the sixth man to walk on the moon. Apollo 16, and he was um, a very, very highly regarded gentleman, and he uh, actually mentioned that there were uh, things that were going on on the moon and uh, in space. Uh, certainly the mystical experience of simply being there was uh, somewhat overwhelming. But many of the astronauts reported UFO sightings and uh, other things. Now, I, I have never heard of, of any poltergeist activity aboard the International Space Station, but how could you tell, given that you're weightless anyway? So uh, I think that the, 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 pres- the lack of presence of people underwater and in space uh, would uh, account of certainly for, for lack of reports of paranormal phenomena there if... There were any, which I'm sure there are, because the entire planet, really the entire multiverse, is, is quote unquote haunted. So that's how I'd answer that. All right. So, uh, well, well I, I do remember one big report uh, of the astronauts supposedly seeing uh, some sort of alien being pressing face up against the uh, uh, one of the windows of the spacecraft. But that, that uh, I think that came from a Russian cosmonaut, and uh, I, again, these. Uh, you know, well, that, that's entirely possible, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. Ben, what have we got? Had a lot of experiences in space, too, you know. I mean, uh, it wasn't just the American astronauts. In fact, if anything, the American astronauts kind of, uh, you know, uh, didn't promote anything that might have uh, happened to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the more presence we have in areas such as that... Uh, 
uh, I don't know, we, we'll have to, um, we have uh, a couple of indirect connections with Bob Ballard uh, from the uh, University of Rhode Island, the discoverer of the Titanic and sort of swashbuckling, legendary uh, leader of undersea expeditions, so perhaps we'll have to ask him at some point. So uh, what's our uh, next question there, Ben? So we have Mike from uh, Redding, California, and he writes to us, uh, Why are there so many different kinds of UFOs and aliens? Uh, The part of your book where you talk about the case in France uh, where the people saw different kinds of aliens and Bigfoot along with them uh, really, really fascinated me. Uh, Do you know of any other cases like this? Tim, I'll... uh I might want to refer to that since that's to you on that because since that's a UFO-related question. Uh, the, the, the thing that we referred to in our book was uh, the, the case in France in the 1970s where the couple was in a lover's lane there and a craft landed and uh, the so-called Nordic aliens got out and then some greys and then a Bigfoot. That's a pretty well-known case. So what say you? Well, I, well I, you know, we spoke about this on, on my show and on your, and your program as well that these things have the ability uh, both to shapeshift uh, and also to uh, uh, make uh, an appearance, their appearance look different uh, in, you know, in each uh, individual case. We may, may not be seeing the actual uh, being uh, anyway. This is just some, uh, what would you say, image that they want us to, uh, to see. Yes, I remember that discussion. Here, uh, you know, the real alien uh, form. And, of course, if, if there is a multi-dimension like uh, you and I both agree that there is, well, uh, these uh, beings could come in a, a multitude of uh, shapes and, and, and sizes. But remember, if they are, if there are physical beings from outer space, they've got to be able to pilot a, a, a spacecraft, which means they have to have something that would resemble some kind of hands. Of course, unless they could just you know, put their uh, head through the uh, steering wheel and... Well, I know that's not even impossible, but you consider that we have cars that drive themselves, right? I mean, yeah, who knows? Sure. How advanced do, do we have to be in order to uh, drive a spaceship with our thoughts? And we have heard uh, that at uh, Area 51 uh, that they're doing experiments in, in teleportation and in uh, the mind control, or, uh, the mind controlling the maneuverability of, of some of these uh, crafts. I see. Um, well, th- I'm thinking, too, of uh, examples of, of Bigfoot not necessarily getting out of a UFO. And in, the, in this case in France, uh, at least the way uh, uh, I've read it, there was a... Um, uh, okay, uh, actually, I'm, I'm getting it. The producer is handing me a thing here. Do you have a landline you can call back on, Tim? Because the, the audio could be better here. I, I will do that in two minutes. Okay, very good. And we'll continue in two minutes. So uh, <clears throat> one of the things I'm thinking of is, is that, uh, as I mentioned, that in this case in France, the, the Bigfoot, if that's what it was, got out of the craft and sort of just stood there like a lump. The greys, as they're often called, appeared to glide over the ground as if they were some sort of machines. This is how the witnesses described it anyway. And the um, the other... Uh, Occupants uh, sort of were were sort of working around the craft. The so-called Nordic types—they're tall, blonde-haired, and they've been reported uh, since the 1950s or even before in in traditional UFO experiences of this kind. But as Tim points out, rather rather uh, uh, wisely, I think that the, perhaps uh, the, these pictures are being uh, somehow projected to our minds, and we're seeing things that the whoever it is wants us to see. 
So um, uh, as far as other cases of this kind, um, I'm thinking of um, our good friend Ronnie LeBlanc, who uh, has done a lot of research in the Lemonster, Massachusetts area, not too far from us, uh, where uh, Bigfoot sightings do take do seem to take place in uh, the proximity of very strange lights, particularly orange lights or orange balls of light, uh, which could, if, when they're in the sky, would naturally be in, interpreted by us as UFOs. So uh, th- these are all questions that uh, have yet to be answered fully, and maybe they never will be. Uh, I'm thinking, too, of um, the uh, the Flatwoods Monster case, so-called, <clears throat> of 1952 in West Virginia, uh, which has been uh, an occasion of great controversy, but our good friend Frank Pacino has researched that along with Stanton Friedman, and uh, it, it there has been interpreted not necessarily as as a a, a Bigfoot, but a large creature uh, that's uh, seemed to be uh, associated with a large uh, flap, as it were, of UFO sightings on the East Coast uh, that particular night. I believe that was in September of 1952, and uh, the um, a mother and some children went up to see what the they thought it was a fire in the in the forest, and it was this rather strange light, and out of this came a uh, uh, what looked like what's often depicted as uh, a, a female figure in a dress, but what it apparently was was some sort of creature in in a in a, uh, a small cl- craft that glided over the ground, uh, almost like uh, if, if we would see today. Um, I suppose little they used to have platforms that they were experimenting with the military that were for one person could could uh, fly over the ground at a low uh, altitude, and the, this sort of thing. And uh, it went down into a field, and, and there was uh, apparently some um, th- some fear uh, generated by this, uh, needless to say. And it's been, uh, again, uh, strange creatures seen in the proximity of, of UFOs. Uh, <coughs> there have been many occasions where uh, we have found in our flap areas, uh, particularly the Pennsylvania Triangle that we've been researching and where, where uh, we were just two weeks ago, uh, and we had uh, all sorts of... there's. Everyone, we have neighborhood meetings that involve 10 and 20 people, and they've all seen Bigfoot and UFOs sometimes near each other. But uh, I'm not aware of any other cases, at least not in our personal experience, where Bigfoot has emerged from from a UFO. And uh, so I guess we'll we'll that's about all we can say on that, and we'll continue. And I guess we have Tim back. I I am, I am here now. I now I am uh, really in. Uh control of the mothership. Oh, good. <laughs> well, let us know if you have any Bigfoot uh, in, in the ship there. So, Ben, what, what do we have next? Okay, we have uh, Jake from Rentham, Massachusetts, who writes to us, are there more ghosts uh, in, place, in places like where, where ley lines are? Is there a way to predict that a house or a place will be haunted in the future? Hmm. Well, I know, well I'll start with that one. Uh, <clears throat> the... Um, the whole, see, here we go. The, the notion of ley lines is like the notion of spirits. Ley lines were, uh, well, uh, defined or, or uh, <coughs> talked about by, uh, I believe his name was Watson or, or uh, Watkins. I don't know. Will, Will, Wilkins or Watkins or something like that. Okay, very good. Yeah, if you want to talk about that, how that started, uh, Tim, please go ahead because oh. it was in England. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, I think this goes back to, what, ni- the 1930s maybe? Uh, the uh, uh, the fellow who's doing research uh, on this, he found out that some of the uh, the ancient sites gave off a very strong uh, mag- had a very strong magnetic field, 
and, and also too that a lot of these ancient sites were on a uh, on a, a straight grid system mm. that uh, cut across the uh, the British uh, landscape for hundreds of uh, of uh, miles. And of course, uh, there there has been uh, I guess a bit of research done on the ley lines uh, since then. Now the uh, the theory that uh, there may be more uh, weird things going on. Uh, you know, along the ley lines or on certain specific uh, spots, we do know that some of these ancient uh, sites, like Roslyn, uh, Roslyn Chapel and Rendell Chateau, uh, that they do have a lot of paranormal manifestations. And now, John Keel, who was, of course, a, 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 an associate of uh, mine, mm-hmm. I don't think he did a lot of research on uh, ley lines per se, but he did discover that there were certain uh, areas. Uh, which he called window uh, areas, uh, where these sightings took place on a, uh, uh, not just sightings, but uh, paranormal incidents took place on a regular basis. And, and I found that out to be uh, uh, true. Now, I would go into a, uh, an area, in fact, I'm thinking of a, a town in Ohio in particular, where they had had a, a landing of some sort of uh, object in, in a cornfield. Now, when I say cornfield, that was kind of a joke because the way the, uh, the newspaper made it sound, it sounded like the field of dreams or something. <laughs> the, fact, the fact of the matter is, it was a little corn patch behind somebody's house. Uh-huh. You know, it, it wasn't acres and acres, but uh, the gentleman told me that his grandson, supposedly very uh, reliable, and I don't think he was smoking any of the corn husks, but I can't prove it, uh, said that he had seen this object land, and they had gone back into the corn field, and I use that in quotes, and had seen apparently where the object had pressed down the corn and maybe left some sort of burn mark in the, uh, the field. Uh, they invited me to go back there and take a look, but I uh, I, I kind of reneged uh, on that uh, being that you can get the scratch pretty uh, bad, I think, walking through a, a, a corn field, and heaven knows uh, what you might run into that you're not... Uh, Exactly. But, okay, Jim, so I'm going to have to interrupt it. you because we have to take our break. Okay, but we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and our special guest co-host, Tim Beckley, here on ON 1240, broadcasting for its 70th year in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, Parrot Heads. This is Joe Callahan, your Mater D in the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7. One full hour of nothing but Jimmy Buffett music. The Tiki Bar is brought to you by attorney Bob Lauder and by the Carew Investment Group. And we are back behind the paranormal, our open line show with, with uh, Ben and me, of course, and our special guest co-host, Tim Beckley of legendary UFO fame, Mr. UFO. Uh, so Tim, uh, we were talking about cornfields, large and small, and, and the field of dreams. And the field of dreams, and so please continue. Oh, okay, so anyway, I um, was going to be in this particular town, I think it was Athens, Ohio, for a couple of days. So I decided, well, let me wander around the uh, neighborhood. Very rural, uh, you, you know, uh, area. Yeah, we, we have listeners and there, I, so watch what you say. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's a nice town. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I never, actually, I never saw the town. I, I was out in the in the rural uh, area. I bet you, I, there must, yes, there is a town, but I didn't I didn't get to the actual town. But I did go around the neighborhood, 
uh, near where this uh, uh, fellow had the experience in the cornfield. And I uh, chose uh, homes at random and actually had the chutzpah to, to uh, knock on their door. Uh, and now some people looked at what I mentioned that I was checking out, you know, the UFO report. A couple of the people looked at me like I was absolutely out of my uh, mind. And, and, and that's an insult without knowing me, certainly. <laughs> and, 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 but a couple of other people, I, I remember one woman uh, talked to me from behind her screen door. I'm sure I'm not sure that I ever uh, actually saw what she looked like because she tried this behind the screen door because she didn't want to talk about it, but she talked about it for two hours. That was the thing. In fact, uh. I couldn't get away after a, a while. But she told me that, uh, you know, over the uh, nearby mountain hills, uh, I don't remember what the altitude they were, you could see them off the distance, they had had, sight, you know, other UFO sightings over a period of, of months. So I headed off in that direction, and I knocked at a few more doors. And one woman said, well, I don't know about uh, UFOs, but, you know, Bigfoot has been knocking on my uh, back wall there by the uh, air conditioner in the back of the house. He said, maybe if you go back there, you'll see some kind of imprint, uh, you know, in the ground that uh, left, because apparently he's a pretty big-sized uh, uh, fellow. Uh, now, I didn't see any imprints in the ground because it was more uh, like uh, pebbles, rocks, uh, that it was uh, actual uh, uh, soil. But the woman uh, said that he was uh, near the air conditioner. She wasn't sure whether he was drinking the condensation or washing his hands or uh, maybe just, uh, you know, wanted to get a little uh, cool breeze or, or something uh, uh, going. Uh, so I, I would say that I talked to, uh, well, one woman also, too, if I remember correctly, said that the uh, hot water heater in her basement was communicating with them. <laughs> okay. Why not? I, yeah, well, you laugh, but you laugh, but remember the Fox system. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Started, yeah. yeah, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing started out with knocking on the wall, right? Yeah, so, right, right. Uh, today, today, today we've modernized it, and, and they're knocking on your, uh, <laughs> uh, on your hot water heater. Now, I have knocking here on my wall, but I think it's from the drilling and the hammering going on in the block. There's all these skyscrapers uh, going up. But I did try to communicate with the knocking. Uh, but I didn't, uh, you know, I couldn't figure out a pattern, and they didn't seem to be responding uh, to it. But, uh, yeah, to get back to the original questions, there are certain areas uh, where uh, the paranormal activity happens more uh, than might be uh, uh, might be usual. And, uh, well, there's a, do you know where Hampton Beach is uh, in uh, New Hampshire? Oh, sure, yeah, we've spoken there a couple times. Oh, okay, well, there's a, a Witch Goody. You know the story oh, yes, about yeah, Witch Goody? yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, which we we followed uh, the the street where which which goody is supposed to have lived. Now there's a there's an old house down at the bottom of the street, but I don't think that's the actual dwelling. But I, I was with my uh, my psychic associate Maria DeAndrea, and, and we would just stop people on the street. Not that there were many people on the street, but uh, you know we we asked the one uh, one person. He said he never even heard of it, and the next person said, "Well, I don't know about which goody, but you ought to come up to my house." Not that he really invited us in, but you want to come up to the house because there are things moving around in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, again, here you, you've got the, you know, which goodie was what, the, the, you know, many, many, a couple of centuries ago. Uh, uh, and uh, these things are still, yeah, still going on up, uh, you know, up there. She, she put a curse on the town, but I don't think she meant to have uh, 
uh, you know, things fly around in the guy's, uh, you know, bedroom. Yeah. Well, th- th- these are, I think sometimes the stories are embellished to accommodate the phenomena that occur, uh, in my opinion. But yeah. the whole ley line well, thing... They're, they're, they're legends. You know, I mean, they, they've been added to over the uh, yeah, years. I yeah. mean, that's what a good ghost story is anyway. Well, you know? sure. But the whole oh, yeah. the whole ley line thing uh, well, the only thing that bothers me about it I think it might the the concept might be based on the telluric current which is a known scientific phenomenon that takes place in the morning that's why people have weird experiences three four in the morning usually very often and uh, I think that the whole the thing with ley lines is that is that in Watkins's thing was that they didn't they were permanent like a net around the earth now that's fine but actually they, they appear to move. Which is why many of the stone circles in the old world are not energized, for lack of a better term, anymore. But others are, and I've visited several of each. So, uh, but I think that uh, the idea that, that really the whole planet is haunted. I think there are window areas, as, as you say, pretty much all over the place, and we're encountering these. Uh, the more we work on flap areas, the more we see. So, uh, a lot of the ideas may be arbitrary, but I, I think yes, there are lines of energy, but they may, they may be moved. That, that's our opinion, anyway. So. Why don't we? Um, I guess this is beg- actually kind yeah, of a good segue in, into our, our next question, uh, which it's actually more like a, a line of questions, really. But let's get started. Uh, Elmer from Question Mark writes to us. Sad thing is, the whole ghost hunting fad is slowly dying with the end of Ghost Hunters on TV and other TV shows like Haunted Collector. Uh, it is becoming more underground uh, once more. Yes, there's still some shows left out there, but they don't have uh, the same power as the others did. Uh, so they lose the public eye. And when I started hunting in 99, there were only a few of us, and I I feel it will be the same again in the next few years. Uh, but there's always Halloween for sales spikes, I guess. Well, it's funny. As I responded to Elmer, and I said, if you think you were lonely in the 90s, try the 70s. It was, you know, just me, the Warrens, a few other people. Tim was out there, uh, but not, not like today. This is this is a good transition into our bunch of questions that we and I don't know if you caught this uh, earlier, Tim, but we were going to talk about uh, something that my publisher, our, our publisher, brought up, and that's that uh, sales of traditional ghost books are falling, and they're trying to figure out why. So I was part of a focus group on that yesterday, uh, as opposed to books that that had, take a new approach. I mean, according to them, our book, our, our 2016 book, is doing well. Because it takes a different approach, and other books that do that supposedly are, are doing well. That, that's the, the theory they're operating on. So I put out on social media on three sites, our show site, our, my personal site, and the Post Town Elementary School in Ohio, uh, where I know absolutely no one, but they made me an administrator, so <laughs> I put it out. And lots and lots of responses came back, and this is one of them that came to the Post Town site, uh, was from Elmer who apparently, I guess, lives in Ohio, and hence the question. Uh, so his observation was that uh, the shows were driving the sales of the books, and there were many other opinions. What say you on that, Tim? Well, I, you know, I, uh, ghost books, uh, uh, you know, have uh, there's always been a proliferation of ghost books, you know. No matter where you go, if you go to a, a town that has a lighthouse, there's, there's always a book that has uh, yes. stories of lighthouses. I, I, I don't know. I think there, there might be too many ghost books out. You know, I think the last time I checked on Amazon, you know, I, I sometimes uh, go there and see, uh, you know, if I do a new UFO book, how many books am I competing with? It is like 9,750 books. I think when I, I uh, asked for the number of books on ghosts, and that was not polled there, guys. It was just ghosts. It was like 14,000. Well, 14,000? Oh my gosh. 14,000 books on ghosts. My ears and whiskers. Well, 
my goodness, that's more than the number of people that read. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's just it is a, a competition uh, uh, today. I think, uh, and also too, if you can watch it on TV, what the necessity? I mean, we know that people are more prone into watching very short clips. Yes, uh, I, I have uh, friends of mine who are younger than I am. Uh, their idea of watching something is maybe ten or fifteen minutes, and 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 so if you have something you can watch on YouTube, uh, that's about you know you go in, uh, in, in uh, okay, uh, uh, Woonsocket, Rhode Island, or something. Maybe you're less prone to go out and uh, and buy a book uh, on the, uh, the subject. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a caller, uh, Robin from Utah. Welcome to WON and Behind the Paranormal. Thank you very much. It's been a long time. Yes. I have a, a question for Mr. Beckley yeah, and yeah. also for you and Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, you know, is from the Uinta Basin in Utah. And my great-great-grandfather, the whole, everybody's seen UFOs there, but my father and my great-great-grandfather specifically and there's a book, the Utah UFO display. I wondered if Mr. Beckley knew anything about the UFOs in the Uinta Basin. Well, you know, we went uh, a couple of times with my friend uh, Chris Fran. She's now deceased. Uh, there's a book that I did. It's called, uh, oh my goodness, the uh, Indian Star Seed uh, Connection. I, I I don't remember the exact title, but it's on uh, on Amazon. And, uh, yeah, well, a lot of, of course, the, uh, the the Native Americans talk about uh, UFOs in the terms of the uh, Kachina gods and the space gods, and they accept, accept it more or less as part of their everyday, uh, you know, uh, life because the, these accounts have been handed down, uh, you know, uh, by word of mouth from generation to uh, a generation. I did read that book that you're referring to. It is a very good book. But I don't remember all the details of it because it's probably been uh, two decades since I read it. Uh, but, it's, you know, of course, uh, Utah is the location, I think, of the Stillwater Red. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there are there are any number of, uh, you know, reports, not just on Skinwalker Ranch, but around that uh, area. Uh, it, w- it would seem that there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of UFO reports and a lot of strange things going on. But then, we, if, if we look, sat here and we looked at a map and, and thought about it, we could probably find a good dozen places that, uh, in the fall of bed, what you say, where uh, there seems to be an attraction to this uh, uh, type of uh, phenomena, like Sedona, Arizona. Right? Yes, uh, yeah. You have the, uh, the Bridgewater, Bridgewater Triangle. Yeah, right near us, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, the, the, you know, and and they they do move around. I mean, if, if there are uh, openings here to uh, portals or dimensions, it could be that they close for a while and then they open up a, a generation or so, uh, you know, uh, later and and are hot spots for a while and then uh, they uh, temper down again. Or it could be that people uh, maybe uh, you know, if there's a generation that goes by, it could be that the the people living there uh, have no interest in it or have no interest in reporting. Uh, what, uh, yeah, uh, possibly. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you for the call, Robin. Well, enjoy Thank you very much. Okay. I'll certainly thank look at Mr. Beckley's books. I haven't wasn't aware there were so many, and they look very interesting. Oh, thank my you. Goodness. There, there are plenty of them. To, just go to Amazon.com. You can either copy Oh, I my did. I, I checked it yeah, out. Timothy Beckley. <laughs> yeah. Or, or if you want, you type in 
interlight-global communications, and that brings up not only my books but all the other authors that we publish, like uh, T. Lobson Grappa okay. and Commander X and Dragonstar and Maria DeAndrea, and a couple of your you know, books that you've worked on. Yeah, I've contributed a few lines here and there. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> excellent uh, material, Amityville and Beyond. Uh, yep. An excellent book that has little to do with Amityville. But <laughs> you've got to start somewhere. Well, The Lore of the Poltergeist. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, Tim, you uh, you just you are psychic as well because I was just going to ask you, please, before we burn up this hour, please tell us about your yes. books, your websites, which we gave in our intro to you, and uh, anything else you'd like to mention about what's cooking. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, of course, I've been uh, knocking around this uh, field for uh, about a half of a century. Uh, we have a uh, uh, our own show that can be here on Thursday night at uh, ten o'clock Eastern. It's called. Uh, Exploring the Bazaar. I'm the co-host with Tim Ford, and it's on KCORradio.com. And we archive it uh, on that and a lot of the other things. In fact, a couple of programs that you and I have done. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find under Mr. UFO Secret File on YouTube. I promise you to sit there for about three weeks and, and, uh, and, and not hear all the programs and see all the videos uh, that we've uh, we posted over the last... Well, now, you've done your, uh, I think this is the 700th and, uh, and fifth show? Uh, 704th. 704. Right. Well, we just this week hit our 100th show. So ah, we're, congratulations. We're, we're never going to catch up. Well, <laughs> well probably, yeah, it's like saying <coughs> you're going to catch up with your older brother. It's probably not going to. But you are certainly our older brother, I have to say that. Well, Not you know, too much older. Uh, well, uh, a little bit, I guess. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so we got the YouTube channel and uh, free newsletters, free DVDs. Uh, just contact me at uh, Mr. UFO 8 at Hotmail, MRUFO and the number 8 at Hotmail.com. We put out the Conspiracy Journal online every uh, uh, weekend. And our two latest uh, books would be The Matrix Control System of Philip K. Dick. And uh, there's a book at night, uh, Hidden... Hidden Treasures of the Knights Templar. Okay, excellent. Which I never thought I would be writing about. I yeah, really. About well, and all these things join. Well, just so just to continue uh, a little bit of the feedback here on why paranormal books are not, or at least traditional paranormal books, are not selling the way they used to. We have uh, some luminaries who have contributed their comments via Facebook. Uh, Tina Marie Coet from KCOR in Las Vegas. Oh, well, there you go. That's my producer. Oh, the, yeah, exactly. There you go. A great oh, lady yeah. who's, who's from uh, this part of New England, actually, originally. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we hope to get her in studio sometime when she's uh, visiting the old country here. Yes, uh, the old country. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Tina uh, writes simple, uh, as far as the, the, why they're not selling, way too many out there. That is why many TV shows are to be canceled. I mean, everyone is writing a book because of self-publishing, plus people like online yeah. books they can pick up for free. Plus, yeah. if you yeah, if you notice the more uh, fake or outrageous the stories, the more they sell. That's disconcerting. So create a yeah. book of fiction, but throw it under a nonfiction, and you'll sell many more books and get asked to speak at all kinds of conferences. <laughs> oh, okay, but uh, also let's remember, as far as the TV shows uh, go, nothing lasts forever on TV. No, I, I mean you, if, if you're if you're on for three seasons, four at the most, you've really uh, you're really a hit. Right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it, we're, none of us are the Kardashians, 
Right. And, uh, <laughs> Paranormal and, Kardashians. And, and, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so they and, and so the shows come and uh, go, but there, there's always new ones uh, replacing them. I mean, uh, I just saw one on the, the History Channel. I think it's called UFO Conspiracies. Didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a, a a show coming out about the. Dr. J. Allen uh, Heinick. I guess they're doing eight or nine episodes of that. And uh, Tim Schwartz uh, just uh, told me, my uh, co-host, uh, that he's going out to California in a couple of weeks, and they're going to be uh, taping a, a number of shows. He won't give me any of the vital statistics as of Yeah, they don't let you do that. Well, we've yeah, done three pilots with three different producers, and uh, the networks come back and say we're too intelligent. So that that says a lot. So, Ben, yeah. what are your thoughts yeah, on this? There you go. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think um, really there's a lot of different factors other than just just TV shows. I think that's a little little unfair um, to ev- everyone involved. I think um, I think people want want something different, and you know the the same thing that's been spouted for the last I don't know what like fifty sixty years, or well more than that would be you know just just plain spiritualism. Ever since the Fox sisters and before. I mean, pretty much. So, I mean, I think I think the the problem is that people want something more. They want something more. You know, I don't, I don't want to say scientific because that that word carries a lot of baggage. They want something more. Um, in metho- depth. Yeah, in depth, methodical. Some something that can can be perceived as authentic. Yeah. Something that can be perceived well, as right. having well, having well, let, depth. Let, let, let's talk about the proliferation of podcasts. Mm. Right. Mm. When you started doing your your show, I bet you you didn't have more than uh, five or six other podcasts. Uh, you know, I mean, you're in a real radio station, but uh, you know, podcasts have taken taken over, uh, and uh, now uh, a lot of people have their own show and all. So there is a diversification of material that is uh, available. If you're looking for entertaining paranormal you certainly could probably uh, find that out there on the uh, web if you're looking for something a little bit more uh, credible <clears throat> that would be uh, that would include us and uh, you and, and me and uh, uh, maybe a handful of other uh, uh, shows yeah well, well I mean I, I agree I think we're witnessing the death of cable TV. Well, perhaps. So, yeah, I mean, it's, there's really, there, you know, it's moving. It's moving to an entirely different medium. This came up yesterday in the, the fo- the, in the focus group at our at our publisher house. Now, Ben was unable to participate; he had a prior commitment. But uh, one of the one of the other people who skyped in was Marla Brooks, uh, another broadcaster from uh, Los Angeles, and she uh-huh. agreed with me that essentially there are because one one of the questions from the people on the roundtable were, uh, should the authors start their own radio shows? And Marla and I both said, no way. That's an entirely different horse. Uh, you know, you really have to know how to interview or nobody's going to listen to it. There's enough, there are enough rubbishy shows out there where people, you know, they joke around, they, you know, they have no order. Yeah, they, joke, they joke around and they're not funny like, uh, like you and I. No, 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 you and I are right. Ben, too, makes <laughs> it even better. I say I'm yeah, pretty yeah, funny. I, I mean, really, they, they, they try... And then they sit around and they talk about how they're getting high and getting drunk. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I don't care what they do on the side, but, I, I you know, at the, the minute I hear that crazy nonsense, I, I turn off the podcast and, and look for, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, something uh, else. Exactly. Something a little Dave, more edifying. Dave, Dave, well, Tim, yeah, do you remember... Dave Schrader, Dave Schrader has a good show, uh, you know, and uh, yeah. he's been doing it for, for uh, years. And, uh, 
Uh, by the way, a good time to mention that I will be a, a guest on Coast to Coast with George Knapp on August 28th. Oh, George is great. We, we love uh, all the hosts there, but George is a really, really professional absolutely. interviewer. Mm. And, and, and we will be talking about the uh, uh, matrix uh, control system of Philip K. Dick. And, yes. and you know what I uh, and, and you know uh, what I think about synchronicities. It's my task to get the word out, whatever the word yeah. is. Well, we, well, next time you're on this show, we're going to be talking yes. about that. That's going to be in October, yes, I believe, or September. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Yeah. That sounds pretty cool. I actually really love Philip yes. K. Dick. He's one of my favorite writers. Yeah. Well, well t- Tim's well, the man. You know, I, I, li- I like the movies. I'm, I'm not big of a uh, much of a uh, reader of. Uh, like novels or science fiction things. I was when I was a kid. I mean, I remember reading uh, what it was, Village of the Dam and Day of the Terrific, uh and a few other uh, 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 books. But I, I uh, then I uh, then I uh, just went over to the uh, uh, you know the, the, the real UFO and paranormal uh, stuff. Mm. Now, we have another opinion here. This is uh, from Mary, uh, responding to the question about why paranormal books aren't selling like they used to. Uh, Mary suggests, I don't know where she's from, she suggests that the retirement of Art Bell was, has been a problem because he, he would sell millions of books on Coast to Coast, speaking of, of Coast to Coast, and that since his retirement, that, that might, be, might be a factor. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about that. I, I, I actually ran some ads on... Uh, uh, Art Bell's show for some of our books, uh, and they didn't. It didn't do too well. People don't. People don't buy. Well, if people bought books because they heard radio ads, we'd all have a million commercials. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and and it it it, uh, it, it just uh, the uh, TV and and radio. Uh, unless you're on it as a guest, and you could be on for an hour or something to explain what it is that your book is about, uh, is not good for a hard uh, core. Uh, uh, you know, sale for uh, a thirty-second ad. It, 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 it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, here's another comment from Lisa, and uh, I don't know where Lisa's from. Uh, I know that for me, I preferred the the true quote-unquote ghost story books growing up. Things like Fate magazine, nonfiction books, any story that presented quote facts in which I could form my own belief. Uh, kept my interest in the paranormal. There were some TV shows back in the 90s, like Sightings, that would do the same. I started to lose interest when I would see uh, quote-unquote ghost hunters yelling at some unseen entity to come at me, bro, or the over-dramatized storytelling on other shows. So th- th- this um, this is implies from Lisa that maybe the paranormal shows helped kill interest in the subject, or at least in people buying the books, which indi- if you spend money, it indicates some kind of serious interest. What say you, Tim? Or Ben. Well, I think that's a no, uh, that's a really interesting. Oh, well, Tim, yeah, you first. I, I, go ahead, Ben. Go, go. Okay. Well, I think it, I think it's you know it's a it's a very astute kind of kind of answer. It's like what I was saying before. People want authenticity now. Yeah. I know I know in my generation there's a whole wave of, of minimalism. I know my wife is really into that. Where like you know you only you only have the bare the bare essentials essentially anything that you know does isn't like super duper extravagant. There's really no point in it because it's more authentic. To live like a minimal life, I mean that's you know for for some portion of my generation at least authenticity is a is a is a big deal. And if there's something that you can, well, for lack of better words, put your hands on and like wrap your brain around and something that actually tests, you know your your belief in how you in how you feel, like you know like being able to deal with a paranormal a paranormal theory that's not just oh it's all spooky scary skeletons is is very 
is very in, intriguing, especially to many people I've I've talked to, people who didn't even know I wrote, I, I helped you, like you know I helped you on cases or we worked together, wrote books together. Then I, I talk to them about this stuff, and they're like, "Wow, I've never thought of it that way." Because they're used to like, "Oh, it's just spirits of the dead. That's it. Boom, done. We're we're done talking about it." So I think I think something more in depth, something that has to deal with not just you know the here and now, but like the the fabric of time, space, the universe, everything is yeah. is, is something that's more yeah, but you know, meaningful. If, if, you, if you approach if you approach the cable TV uh, uh, company, uh, you know, uh, with an idea of doing an upscale like interview program or something, they'd usher you to the door because for some reason they're looking for uh, entertainment. I, I mean, there have been some really good shows, like you mentioned, Fighting. That was an excellent uh, program. Uh, there's another one. I don't never remember the exact title. It's like Factor Fiction, where they would go out and try to uh, uh, emulate the uh, the actual incident. Uh, you know, and by the end of the program, they would try to prove whether it would actually took place or it was a hoax. Uh, there, there were a couple of good programs uh, that have been, uh, you know, uh, presented. Okay. I thought that UFO Hunters was. Uh, was, was very well uh, done. I, I mean, like that, too. There mm. some, yeah, it, there were some people who complained that, oh, uh, you know, some of the stuff was exaggerated. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, you know, I've never... There are people who who say, oh, they've had trouble with producers, the producers want you to say, uh, you know, a certain thing. And, and I've done probably more shows than most of these people, not more than Nick Redford, certainly. Mm. And, and I, don't, I don't think, first of all, I've never came into a demand uh, like that, but... I would sit there and I would work with the producers so that we would come up with something that was uh, both of, uh, of interest, but something that just wasn't, uh, you know, like uh, made up. Yeah. Uh, I'll have to interrupt you because we're, we're out of time, I'm afraid, Tim. Uh, however, we'll be begin our announcements here. Uh, so uh, let's see. We've, uh, Tim's talked about his book. So our, our newest book, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of is available on Amazon.com and Kindle. And we will have copies available for, for sale at all of our forthcoming events. And also, don't forget about our other book, our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, that is in most bookstores, and if they don't have it, they can get it. And it's also available online at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. And you can always get it autographed by us if you order it through BehindTheParanormal.com. Yes. All right. Well, anyway, uh, our next event will be Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th, at the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, a great annual event that benefits local children's charities. It's lots of fun. All the merchants get into the act, and the subject of our talk on Saturday will be Flap Areas, UFOs, and the Paranormal on Steroids. On Sunday, for the second year in a row, we'll broadcast this show live from the Exeter Town Hall with the audience of a, and a panel of speakers, including Richard Dolan, Travis Walton of Fire in the Sky fame, the great M- Kathleen Marden, Denise Stoner, Peter Robbins, Stephen May the Lees, Carolyn the Rock, and our good friends from Seacoast Saucers of New England. Tickets are $20 and for that, both and that days. One, and that one's free, right? Uh, well, no, it's twenty dollars for both. It used to be free, but it's it's for the children's charity, so there's a nominal oh, charge I, for both. I got days. you, but that, that's that's a tremendous event. You kidding? Oh, it is great. We need to get you up there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a, wa- a walk away for twenty dollars. Are you kidding? Absolutely, wow. absolutely, sure. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, anyway, Ben, uh, we probably better get right to what we got coming up next week. So, next Sunday, August 20th, uh, we'll welcome author and researcher Stephen Lachance for a discussion of the St. Louis exorcism case. Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting. Anyway, uh, Tim, give us uh, one more time your uh, websites real quick. Oh, okay. The uh, uh, YouTube is Mr. UFO Secret Files. 
about 160 videos uh, up there, and we camp it up. We camp it up on the uh, on the video uh, version. And uh, just drop me a note at mrufo8 at hotmail.com, and we'll fill your mailbox with all kinds of uh, goodies. Great. Okay. We still have printed literature. All right. Well, that's it, folks. I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno. Yeah. And that's Timothy Green Beckley. may not have gotten the script. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.